0: From Nevada Public Radio, I'm Joe Shaneman, the state of Nevada. Almost all of us have had some dealings with the law. Traffic tickets are one thing. There are issues in homeowners associations that can rise to the level of the court system. There's divorce and death. What happens when there's no will? People sue for all kinds of things, not just for money, but many times for the principle. Civil rights, employment law, privacy, First Amendment issues, whistleblowers, consumer protection, the environment. There is also police and use of force. These are just a few of the areas that people will often sue for. And for non-lawyers, it's something we read or hear about daily, but then when we get tangled up in it, we aren't always sure where to turn. So today, we have a few lawyers with us who might be able to give you a head start, a little advice on where to begin with a legal issue you could be contending with. And with me are attorneys, Donald... Donald Paradiso of the Lada Law Firm, and Christopher Stork of the Chang Law Firm. Donald, Christopher, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much for having us.
0: Thank you for having me. It was great to have you both. You know, I'm going to start by asking you to, to talk about some legal cases that are local, and, and one involves the slain reporter Jeff Gehrman of the Las Vegas Review-Journal. He was stabbed to death in 2022. Former public administrator Robert Tellis is the accused. Garriman had written story after story about dysfunction in Tellus' office. Tellus has said he was framed. He said that authorities planted evidence, and some of that evidence, by the way, includes Tellus' DNA under Garriman's fingernails. But the I was framed defense is something a lot of us will see in the movies, but are there actually cases in real life where that happens? I mean, have you ever seen that really happen or, or defended something like that yourselves? And uh, Donald, let's start with you.
1: Sure. So, um, overall, uh, that that's not really a successful defense. Um, the you know, I, I anticipate that the defense will argue that because he was a public figure, um, there may have been some political motivations with respect to wanting to frame him. Um, but has it happened in the past? I suppose we could probably find some cases where it has in fact happened in the past, but my understanding, and again, you know, th- this is just my view on this, yeah. um, is that the circumstantial and objective evidence in the Telus case is virtually overwhelming. Um, if you, even if you were to take away the DNA evidence, and by the way, you know, I, I'm I'm a trial attorney. I go to trial. Um, my firm goes to trial. We deal with juries. Um, Eight people off the street, right? Um, the, they're going to look at this and they're going to say the incredible amount of circumstantial evidence that exists against him. I mean, you take the fact that you know it appears he drove his own vehicle, um, the uh, the straw hat that was seen of the person walking out of the the murder scene and then they found a straw hat chopped up in his garage um I, it I, to your question Joe has it happened in the past have people actually been framed yes that undeniably but is that the is that going to be successful here in in light of the other evidence yeah. I, it's difficult to say.
0: As you're saying this, and people who have read about the case, just lay people, most people think this is a slam dunk. So on the defense's side, what does a defense attorney hope to do?
1: So I think um, the defense's best shot at getting a defense verdict or uh, getting um, Mr. Tullis acquitted would be to install some form of reasonable doubt Regarding even just one element of the prosecution's case, um, under the law, the uh, if the jury finds that there is reasonable doubt as to any one element, they must acquit the defendant. So, um, there I, I, I mean, I suppose that the framing defense might be the most likely. That doesn't mean that it's the that's going to work. It just might be the best they have, because it, it it creates an idea of motive that jurors may consider. Yeah. Um,
0: but but it, that just that doesn't stand out there alone. Then you have the prosecutors who will discredit that or try course. to discredit it.
1: Of course. Yeah. Um, you know the 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 issue. Um, of technology is somewhat an interesting one in this case, and I'll, I'll just mention this briefly. Sure. Uh, it appears most of the video surveillance that was captured in the case is all from like Ring doorbells yeah. and people's homes. Um, there's there's basically a camera everywhere you go all the time, um, and it, I, I'm I would be shocked if when the prosecution actually puts their case on, they're not able to string video by video by video by video of him, you know. Well, rather, I should say the accused person, the suspect, um, going to the place and coming back. Yeah. It's, you know, it's uh, the technology is very impressive.
0: Other issues did come up with this case. Police wanted to access Garman's cell phone and his computer. The Review Journal said no because it might compromise his sources. The Nevada Supreme Court ruled police can't get access because of the state's shield law. And and Christopher, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the potential implications of that decision on maybe journalism, or could it inadvertently help uh, TELUS?
2: I don't think necessarily it's going to help TELUS with that S.H.I.E.L.D. law, just because you have to look at the nature of the contentious relationship that German had with TELUS, because he obviously was putting out a bad article And there was also issues with him and his employees. And so that's going to be a very important thing that they're going to look at, as well as the fact that the the ring cameras did, in fact, capture him walking. And you're going to be able to compare the gait from his walking Mm -hmm. from what was captured.
0: Oh, yeah. So, So the need for that information a problem you know they have a lot of evidence basically and the yep. need for the information on his cell phone or his computer might not be considered really crucial for a potential conviction
2: that's correct okay
0: you know tell has also been notoriously resistant to legal help in your experience donald what usually explains that defendants resistance to help is, is very common is that common
1: um we've seen it a lot um it, it's uh So first of all, obviously, he's presumed innocent until proven guilty. And Mm -hmm. I think that he currently has counsel or at least – He does. Yeah. So um, currently he has counsel, but I am aware that for a period of time he was very resistant to uh, getting counsel or um, he insisted on representing himself. So in my experience, um, you see that a lot when uh, people disagree with the legal advice they're being given. Um, you know, attorneys may make certain recommendations, and the person retaining the services of an attorney may just not like what the lawyer says, and they can't find an attorney to say what they want them to say because lawyers are bound by certain ethical rules and guidelines. Um, I, you know, for example, I mean it would be improper for me to go in front of a judge and say something that I know is untrue to make a factual misrepresentation to a court. And if a, a, a client asked me to do that, or, and I'm not saying that's the case in uh, with Mr. Telles here, but um, that's when it most often happens with you know, me and my practice. So, you know, it's hard to say. Uh,
0: People ask you, can't you just go up there and say this?
1: Yeah. You know, hey, this is an argument. Can you go say it? And I'm just like, well, you know, I would if it was true, but (laughs) it's not. And it's provably false. And, you know, I'll be sanctioned. And so will you. Um, So I can't say that that's occurring with Mr. Tellus. But um, in the in the past, in my experience, that's when I've experienced it.
0: The law, again, is in everything we do from marriage to divorce and death, and most of us have had some dealings with it. Today we have a few lawyers with us who might be able to give you a head start, a little advice on where to begin with a legal issue you're contending with. Attorneys Donald Paradiso of the Lada Law Firm and Christopher Stork of the Chang Law Group are with me, and we've gotten a couple of emails here. Alex in Ely says... Should you always get an attorney for a car crash, even if it seems really simple? Christopher?
2: So it is going to be important to get an attorney because your case is going to be very important on how you present it to the insurance adjuster. So if you say certain things, that's going to undermine your case with regards to the way the accident occurred and basically building your own case to um get the most successful outcome and most amount of money for your particular accident.
0: Okay. All right. And uh, Alex, thank you for the question. We got another question here from Noah. And he says, my spouse currently has a garnishment on her check from a credit card collection agency. They state she was served with a court summons, but it was not delivered to her. It was delivered to her cousin's home since she was never actually served and it was filed in a different jurisdiction. Is there anything we can do to fight it? Donald.
1: Sure. So um, there's a couple things you you need to consider in a case like that. So first of all, if the uh, garnishee is uh, stating that they were not properly served with the uh, lawsuit, that would ultimately cause a garnishment, um, there's only a limited amount of time that they have to challenge that. So what they would, ne- uh, what they would need to do, I believe in the state of Nevada, it's six months, although I'm, I'm not exactly an expert on that. Um, that is the, the longest potential amount of time you could go and seek reconsideration of a court order um, under the Nevada Rules of Civil Procedure. But in essence, uh, you can't sit on your rights. If you are being uh, targeted um, and you're uh, income is being garnished, you only have a certain amount of time before you can get back into the court to tell the judge, hey, uh, I was never actually served with this. Um, and then you know, ask for your opportunity to be heard. Once a default is entered, I mean, basically what will happen is is you know, the creditor will go to court and say, we served this person. Here's our affidavit saying a person handed you this piece of paper. Um, then they can get what's called a default after they get a default, they can then get what's called a default judgment. So basically, the judges, um, except in rare circumstances, will simply just say, you have served this person with this lawsuit. They have not responded. You just get whatever you want, um, as long as it's what you asked for in your complaint. Uh, And so, you know, once you find out about that, you need to get back into court. You need to either hire an attorney to file a motion on your behalf uh, or make some sort of an appearance. And there's also resources at the courthouse um, uh, in what's called a self-help center. There are forms so, and things.
0: So, so unless you challenge it, the court's going to assume because they can't keep track of all the stuff that it's real. But is that uh, the wrongful serving? Is that a good argument?
1: It happens all the time. Um, Yeah, it happens absolutely all the time. Under the the Nevada rules, um, people of suitable age could sometimes be sued on your behalf. So, for example, um, if you're laid on a credit card and they come to your house and you're not home and they serve your spouse – um, they will say that you are pro- they may say, I don't want to say I want to say will. They may say that you're properly served. Um, and if you don't believe you are properly served, the law requires you to assert your rights, okay.
0: We have a couple lawyers with us to help you uh, if you're dealing with a legal issue and you have some questions. And we have another email here from Dave in Las Vegas, and he asks, why is it so hard to find an attorney to take a medical malpractice suit? My wife had a complication in surgery that was doctor caused and we were told they're just too complicated. Christopher Stork?
2: Yeah, so those cases are going to be very difficult because you have to have all the necessary um, elements to be able to prove malpractice but you're also going to have to make sure that you start your case and collect the evidence very early on because you have, you could have a great case mm-hmm. but then what ends up happening is there's there's things that evidence could go missing or something could go wrong and you're not, unable to receive that evidence and present it to a lawyer who's able to review it and say, hey, this is a great case. Because normally what will happen is you bring in a great case and it's like, this could be a great case, but because there's missing evidence or something difficult that's going to be able to um, be proven within that particular malpractice case.
0: Okay. We also got a comment from Kathleen in Las Vegas who says, I just want to share the importance of getting a deed upon death. My dad died and left me property, but it did... But I didn't have this, so we had to go through probate court, which took months, hiring an attorney and $6,000 before I could inherit it. Now everyone in my family who owns property has filed a deed upon death, which takes no time at all. It should be something that happens because the property is easily transferred. Kathleen, thank you so much for that comment. And uh, before we get to some more of this stuff, I want to ask you guys about some um, more recent local legal questions. Last week, for instance... A California judge overruled a Nevada judge's decision to release a man accused of lying to federal authorities about President Joe Biden's family's alleged bribery scheme. The U.S. magistrate in Nevada let the man, Alexander Smirnoff, released with GPS monitoring. Almost immediately, a U.S. District Judge in California ordered Smirnoff back in jail, saying he was a flight risk. Now after that, I saw a mocking video online by a lawyer talking about the legal system in Nevada and implying that if a lawyer and a judge here are acquainted, this kind of thing could just happen in Nevada. I've also read that our judges aren't that good. Um, People made reference to Michelle Fiore, who has no legal, legal degree, and she's now a justice of the peace in Nye County simply because the county commission chose her to do the job. My question to you uh, both is, what makes a good or a bad judge? And uh, do we need better qualifications for our judges? And uh, I'll I'll start with you, Donald.
1: Sure. So um, first and foremost, in my personal view, uh, I I think what makes a good judge is someone that's willing to listen, Um, someone that's willing to consider all of the evidence, all of the arguments, and um, is open-minded uh, in, you know, I'm not going to give specific, uh, instances, but there have been times where, you know, I've walked into court, um, and I've got all my arguments ready and the, you know, the judge already has their mind made up. And that's frustrating to a practitioner. Um, because from our perspective, there's always two sides to every story.
0: And can you tell that by the way the judge is asking you questions or or just their attitude? How, How do you know?
1: Sometimes they don't even let you talk. Sometimes, you know, they, they, you know, you sit down, other opposing counsel sits down and they say, well, I've reviewed the motion and this is how I'm inclined to rule. And then they just talk about it. Um, And they're allowed to do that. Judges are allowed to do that. But in certain circumstances, it's almost like, well, we know how this is going to go, right? Um, So just the ability to listen. uh, If if you're open-minded and uh, able to see multiple sides and facets, I think makes a really good judge. Also, um, I'll just mention, you know, experience matters. Um, Areas of experience matter. Um, We've had, you know, someone could practice in a particular area for 30 years. You know, let's say, for example, I'm a personal injury lawyer. And let's say I practice personal injury for 30 years. And then I get up on the bench as a judge and a criminal matter comes in front of me Th- those 30 years of experience might not be as valuable um, to a criminal matter as in a civil yeah. personal injury yeah. case.
0: So is at those, in those times, can you ask for a different judge?
1: Uh, There are very rare circumstances in which you can ask for a different judge. The most common time you can ask for a different judge is at the beginning of a case. It's what's called a peremptory challenge here in Nevada. Um, It's before the judge has spent any real time on the case or made any material motions. But once that occurs, the judge is essentially locked into your case and um, only in very rare cases in which uh, there could be a potential – uh, conflict of interest would the judge be recused from the matter
0: and christopher Storick, i mentioned the case of michelle fiore she was she's a former uh, assemblywoman from las vegas she was on the las vegas city council and when she left that she was chosen out of more than a dozen candidates to be justice of the peace in nye county by the county commission but she doesn't have a law degree so what, what about legal requirements for justices of the peace in this state what are they
2: in terms of actual requirements, there's not a whole lot of requirements. Um, basically, a person can be placed in there if they're popular. So <laughs> that's one thing you kind of have to understand when it, when you go into more rural areas that there there's not going to be a lot of judges that can. They have to be prepared, obviously, but they cannot just simply, um, you know be in that particular position without any sort of knowledge they have to prepare for their cases.
0: We have two real knowledgeable lawyers with us right now to answer questions that you might have uh, in a legal matter you could be facing. And we have a call here from Sean in Las Vegas. He has a call about a living trust. Sean, welcome to the program.
3: Yeah, thanks, Joe. Sure, go ahead. Uh, So, um, My mom has a living trust and I'm the, I'm the trustee. Um, and she may pass soon. Um, and I just wonder if there's any need to have an attorney in order to execute the trust.
0: Okay, who wants to take that?
2: So you don't necessarily need one, but you would want to get one because if you fail to do the appropriate things, you're going to get tied up in probate court and there's going to be a whole lot of issues that are going to be simply difficult for you to navigate and you should avoid those by hiring a knowledgeable attorney and ensure that everything gets done properly. Is
0: it cheaper to get the attorney now than if it gets to probate court? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Sean, I hope that helps you. And Daniel from Las Vegas has a question uh, regarding divorce law. Welcome, Daniel.
4: So, um, wife and I have been together 20 years, but uh, she decided she's done. Moved to Kansas last year. Um, My understanding is Nevada is a community property state, um, so that can complicate divorce a bit, especially after one party has moved out of state. Um, My question is, she has, or rather we have agreed that it should be uh, a clean break. Um, our children are almost all adults. Our youngest is going to be 18 in April, so there's probably not going to be any custody disputes. And uh, we just want just want a We just want a clean break. Is that possible in divorce where there's no transfer of of ownership of any property or assets?
0: Can, can in yeah, can, can you divorce without a transfer of assets? And I think concomitant with this is, do we have common law? in Nevada. If you're together, this is for people who aren't married, but uh, if they've been together for 10, 20 years, do we have common law where it's assumed basically that you were marriage, married? And, and Donald, uh, what do you have for that?
1: Sure. So first to your question, Joe, um, common law marriage is not recognized in the state of Nevada. Okay. Right. So other states, if you're with that person for an X amount of years, you're considered married. Here, we don't do that. Um, With respect to the caller, uh, very sorry to hear about his circumstances, but um, the good news is that if uh, the parties are in agreement as to how they want to conduct the divorce, um, they're allowed to do that. The family courts here in Nevada will generally allow uh, folks who want to get divorced to get divorced under whatever terms they want. presuming that there are no children involved when children get involved things are a lot more complicated there are certain statutory requirements that need to be met such as you know the amount of child support um, who's going to provide health insurance and benefits for the children those are all mandatory requirements that need to be in a child support order but if you don't have children um, and property is limited parties are allowed and it's often encouraged to uh, amicably separate. There are forms available uh, online at the um, Family Court Self-Help website. Also, um, you can go to the Family Court and there are forms you can get at the Self-Help Center there. Um, But basically, as long as both parties are in agreement to the terms of the divorce, sign the divorce decree, and their um, decree is uh, notarized and um, filed, then you could just get a divorce.
0: All right. Uh, I hope that helped you, Daniel. And, and again, we are sorry for your circumstances. And I'm going to get to some of the, more of these calls. Uh, Pedro from Las Vegas has a question about uh, sexual harassment. Pedro, welcome to the program.
5: Thank you
3: very much for having me with you guys. Yeah, go I appreciate this. Sure. Attention. I appreciate the exposure.
0: Yeah. Go ahead, Pedro.
3: Um, I was telling the your receptionist that um, I work for a corporation that uh, delivers pizzas. And um, a new hire started telling me sexual things. Sexual things like uh, I was mopping one day and he told me from behind, um, have you been told how oh, sexy you look from the back? And I was like, what the... Uh, so I that he was telling me things like that. He told me, I can give you a massage. And I said, because I'm a professional, blah, 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 blah. He said, and I'm like, and how much are you going to charge me? But I just asked that for, for a conversation because I wasn't interested. And he told me, oh, it doesn't have to. We can have a romantic involvement over dinner. So I realized the man wanted to lay down with me and I've been married with a woman for 33 years and I have kids, and I feel gross. Right. Or well, at least know. that's my opinion. You know, I don't, I don't have nothing against anybody. Please. Sure. I understand. And, uh, uh, after five, six remarks like that, I realized the man was putting pressure on me. And if I react the normal way, which is throwing him a punch, I was going to lose all of my rights with that corporation, you know? And, um, I talked to the general manager and and he answered me. He was also transferred from another store to my store. The general manager told me that he uh, couldn't talk. I don't know if I should uh, face this with him and confront him because he has some leverage against me with uh, a problem that we have over a guy on the other store. And I realized that. A a previous issue. What am I getting? What am I getting into, like, uh, oh, and a threshold of something that I didn't like, you know? So uh, I tell him, please, go by the book. Report this to human resources. And he didn't. So he said, uh, I'll make sure he doesn't harass you anymore. But but, uh, I thought it was a zero tolerance issue, you know? So after a guy told me, I told him, if he ever does something to me, I'm going to tell human resources. Yeah. And uh, obviously, the man did it again. He, he one day he did another nasty comment. Okay. I was sick, and I and I didn't want to get close to him, and I didn't even want to shake his hand because he, he wanted to shake my hand. Yeah. And I did HR.
0: Didn't want it. Did did HR do something?
3: Oh yeah, the HR. Eventually, I went to HR to district manager, and they fired him this week.
0: Okay, this so week. so Pedro, that uh, interesting story.
3: What's your question for the lawyers? Okay, my question is if I can go for the guy. For the whoever sexually harassed me and for the general manager, because once I show up okay. after the issue with human resources, he started harassing me crazy.
0: Okay, now now we see where you're going at. Does he have now some kind of case to, even, even though the person's fired, to make a claim on sexual harassment and maybe make a claim on the general manager? Uh, Christopher.
2: Yes. So um, one of the one of the most important things they're going to have to do is they're going to have to file a complaint with EEOC, um, Equal
0: Employment Opportunities
2: Commission. That's correct, Joe. And then from that point, they're going to review it and make a determination as to whether or not you have a case, and that's going to be a prerequisite to oh. being able to file a lawsuit.
0: So this isn't, uh, this doesn't go to district court. This goes to the EEOC
2: for review. So for that review. way, that way, they give you kind of like the blessing, like you have a case type of deal.
0: And, and to do that kind of thing, is that something you can go online, and, and is that how you do it? I mean, how do you file
2: for with the EEOC? There's ways know? to file a complaint um, online. So that individual can go there and file the complaint, and then from there, they'll take a review at it. Okay.
0: Uh, Pedro, thank you so much for that call. I hope that helps you. So try out the EEOC. Donald from Las Vegas, welcome to the program. Don, Hello. are you there? Yeah, go ahead, Don.
4: Hi, I was curious. I have a, a personal question, but uh, I have some anonymity here on the radio. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, uh, uh, I'm i um, when I was in school here at a private Christian school, I was 13, and uh, and I was sexually molested by my Bible teacher. Every day we were taught Bible in private school. and uh, uh, Anyway, uh, it, it happened, and my parents called a uh, review with the police. The police showed up with the people at the school, but the teacher never showed up, and he just skipped away, and nobody ever did anything about it. But as far as I would imagine, the police have records of them showing up and everything that was taken down. I don't know, but uh, this continues to affect me, even though I'm 54 now. And Mm. uh, and I was wondering, you know, is there? I've heard you know statute of limitations and stuff, and I've just never uh, looked into it. I was wondering if you could tell me, sir,
1: do I have any legal recourse?
0: great question Donald is, d- can he still file a claim in this matter
1: so um, first and foremost I'm very sorry to hear uh, about the um, circumstances that you have it's you know awful um, and so, and I understand that folks that have experienced this it affects them for their for their entire life um, the issue of statute of limitations with respect to uh, Molestation or sexual assault when someone is a child is something that comes up all the time. So um, generally, um, uh, the statute of limitations is uh, t- for uh, sexual assault, my understanding, is 20 years uh, after the commission of the offense. Um, this is something you're definitely going to want to consult with an attorney about. Um before you decide to bring legal action. It's definitely not something that you should do on your own uh, because the very first thing that uh, any church official, the church, or really anyone would argue in a situation like this is that you simply have waited too long. Now, there are um, exceptions for children because obviously, you know, these are – heinous cases uh, that people's rights should not be denied um, against which they these cases should not be denied just because the victim is a child but the issues of notice when you know you discovered that you were the victim of sexual assault because the other uh, consideration is also you know sometimes children are so young they don't remember So, there's also a discovery element as well. Like, when did you find out? So, you know, certainly in your particular case, I would consult with an attorney uh, to get more clear answer.
0: So you're you're saying because he was a child at the time, there is a potential despite the 20-year statute of limitations?
1: There may be, yeah. Um, I think, you you know, any competent attorney that you would hire for this particular matter, and I think it would be probably either a a civil attorney or personal injury attorney, um, should be able to provide you that information. Okay.
0: Don, thank you so much for that call and uh, 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 good luck with that. Um, And uh, we have a question here from Elmer. In Las Vegas, uh, Elmer, go ahead.
3: Hello, hello, Joe. Yeah, go ahead, Elmer. I I, I have a question. Um, so, if I'm married, my wife is from a different country. She's from Central America, and she, I, we have a. So, I have a Roth,
0: mm-hmm.
3: an IRA. So, if I die, does she, is she, um, is she entitled to to get that Roth, Christopher?
2: That, so your Roth IRA is going to have a designation, so you need to go and you need to contact the, um, the place where you created that Roth IRA and then make sure you put a designation for beneficiary upon de- your death so that it will go straight to her.
0: Okay, a uh, uh, simple answer. So uh, Elmer, thank you so much for that call. We have an email here from Donald who, who has a couple questions about wills. Are holographic wills legal in Nevada? And if so, must these be notarized, witnessed, and filed? If not, should a specialist or any licensed lawyer be used? Uh, Donald.
1: Um, so a holographic will is just simply a, a handwritten will. That's okay. all that means. All right. um, and yes, they can be valid in Nevada, and they are enforced in Nevada courts um, if they're done correctly. Um, generally, a will has a, uh, several uh Statutory requirements; they need to be signed, notarized, and witnessed. Um, presuming that the holographic will meets those requirements, it, there's no reason okay. it would not otherwise be enforced. Does
0: it have to be on a legal form? Could I could I just write something on a piece of paper, have a, a notary put the stamp on it, and that's good?
1: So generally, um, it. it Generally, the courts are inclined to honor the wishes of the person who is deceased. So as long as it is in writing, it has to be dated um, and it has to be signed. The courts courts are – I don't want to say are likely to enforce it, but it's possible they will enforce it. Now, it kind of depends on – um, the circumstances of, of any particular case, and also it's very important as to whether or not the will is being disputed, right? If there's a challenge to the will or the uh, validity of the will, um, if somebody is making an argument or asserting a claim that the, that there's a forged signature, um, then the courts will take a very close look at the will, what it contains, um, the the people that would benefit from it uh, and in in construing it however to the to the question you know is a holographic will valid in Nevada Mm -hmm. could be yeah
0: okay we also have a question here from Aziz says given our given our travels overseas I've been pondering the extent to which our civil rights might be affected particularly in relation to searches detention and property confiscation at port of entry upon our return could you shed some light on whether our civil rights are potentially suspended in such circumstances? Christopher, do you know much about that?
2: I know a little bit about that. Um, I think it's really difficult, especially with particular ethnicities when they travel across the East and they come back. And there is an idea that, you know, potentially you could be, someone that may be a threat, and so they usually take you into the back room and just do a quick search, ask some questions. I think the most important thing is that you just need to be courteous in those types of situations, answer directly, and then they will eventually let you go.
0: Okay, Aziz, thank you so much for that question. Um, Esther from Las Vegas is a federal employee. Esther, welcome to the program. Hello. Hello.
6: Uh, thank you, first of all, for taking my call. Sure. Um, my question is, uh, for example, in 2020, I contracted COVID. Um, they, my timekeeping was incorrectly Le- inputted, um, you know, went through chain of command, uh, you know, supervisor or lead supervisor, the chief of the department, HR chief, and um, no one seemed to correct it. I ended up owing them $1,400 um, and I've paid it, you know, ever since now it's paid off. Uh, is there anyone that, um, on a federal level, federal employees that can contact for this type of assistance for help?
0: Well, Are you considering this, uh, uh Esther, a hostile work environment where nothing's done or, or, it, or you're asking where to file a complaint?
6: It was a hostile work environment. Therefore they you know that's why they screwed up my time card and, um, I end up owing everything, but yeah, who do I form a complaint with, uh,
1: Okay, uh, Donald, would you have an idea on this? So what? Um, just I, I, I just need a little bit more sure. information. So what? Um, what agency was this with?
0: Department of Veteran Affairs.
1: Okay, so it was with the VA. Um, so the. Uh, I think that the complaint that you would ultimately want to make at first is internal, administratively. Um, have you done that yet? Have you filed a complaint either with your supervisor, with with human resources, or with uh, – there, there's usually, especially with the federal government, some sort of centralized area where you could submit a complaint. Have you done that yet? Yes. Okay. Um, and then what was the outcome of that?
6: Uh, it's still pending.
1: Okay. So um, I can't be entirely certain – Uh, And Chris, jump in here if if you know this. But generally, when you want to make any type of a claim against the federal government, um, the federal government and its agencies create its own regulations. So what that means is they'll say, okay, you can sue us. But you can only sue us under our terms. That's a concept called sovereign immunity. Um, and so, for example, you know, um, in my own practice, we've had to sue the Department of Justice before because of some reason, um, and we would have to file follow their procedures. And if you don't, the court will dismiss any potential claim that you raise. Um, for an amount such as $1,400 or a um, a small claims matter, those regulations would still probably apply. Um, what I would do first is uh, you, you may have to do a little bit of research just to find out if there is something called a requirement to exhaust your administrative requirements before you can bring a suit or claim against an agency of the federal government. Um I suspect that there may be, but I, I, I'm not, uh, I can't say 100% um, without doing a little bit of research on your specific case, but for example, if you've already made a complaint And uh, it's required that that complaint work its way through before you can bring a claim, then that's what needs to happen. And if you try to sue the agency before your administrative claim works its way through the system, um, your case may actually end up being denied just for that reason. So you're going to need to do a little bit more homework, but that's a very important requirement.
0: Esther, thank you so much for that call. And now we're going to go to Tokiko from North Las Vegas. Welcome to the program.
7: Thank you. Um, my problem is from, from up in the mountains in August, there's video cam. Um, wait a minute. After my... Ex-husband called for a search and rescue because our son had been gone without water, without food, for 16 hours. He was dehydrated and delusional by the time the search helicopters flushed him out into the clearing. And there was uh, police officers, uh, police dogs. Sure. And others sent by. The ambulance was sent away during this, but instead of just taking, getting him, they did not give him water and he's asking for water the the officer says no you'll spit in my face and eventually they just took him down assaulted him before they put him in the car but the, the video cam doesn't show the part where the officers are assaulting him it does the most important part of the video without context is he's shirtless because of the August heat holding a little pine pine tree stub in his hand and then they stick him in the uh, Squad car in the back seat, doors closed, windows closed and locked. No water yet. After a three and a half hour standoff, and then he goes to jail. He faces he's charged with seven felony counts of assault against officers. The first hearing at the first hearing, the judge dropped the seven felony charges and reduced it to one misdemeanor, to which he was told to plead nolo contendre, which he did. And then at the next hearing, because he had pleaded to the misdemeanor that would be dropped after a psych evaluation, he had to take a psych evaluation for the next hearing, which he did that. And he was in house arrest with a monitor on his ankle for six months. Then this last time that he went, we thought that was over because apparently the, the psych evaluation w- went fine. Then that was you, the no low contendere, no contest to the f- the first time, they use that, and he has to have two more psych evaluations. And it, this appears to be headed towards the judge's project, recently new, of the mental health court. So that's what we suspect he might be facing okay. this coming Monday on the 4th.
0: All right. And, and, and Tokiko, do you have a, a question, or, or what's your, cons- you know, what's your question, question
7: here? The question is... Is there anything we can do so that he he, he isn't facing more like a, a more quote,
0: more legal what? more on and on this legal these legal issues these mental health evaluation I mean,
7: yeah seven months of his life no income loss of life liberty freedom pursuit of his personal happiness which he was fine in northern california and now they're saying he needs a uh, psychi- psychological help
0: okay uh, you guys uh, interesting case christopher
2: um well i was going to say that it sounds like a very complicated case some something that you need to get before an attorney to be able to review uh because even with you just Trying to ask a question on the air, it was very difficult to decipher exactly what you were looking for, and also just very difficult to interpret in a very short time span to be able to provide you the necessary advice. So my recommendation would be go go get a consultation and have an attorney review everything.
1: Yeah, there there was um I mean there's a slew of uh of of issues um to to consider with the description that you've just given um you know the you know, whether the police or whether law enforcement mistreated him, whether there was appropriate use of force. I mean, those are completely separate issues. What I would suggest, though, just overall, um, is that uh, I, I have some familiarity with the mental health court program. It is what's called a diversion court. Yep. It is it, it's a um, It is a alternative to the facing of criminal charges for people who have Uh, mental illnesses. But a requirement to participating in that program um, is you have to be diagnosed with a mental illness, such as schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, post-traumatic stress, PTSD, things like that. So um, that uh, psychological evaluation that you are mentioning um, is going to be very important because if he is, in fact, diagnosed with a mental illness, then he may qualify to uh, go into a diversion court program. And the purpose of these courts, these specialty courts, is really to get people help.
0: Yeah, and, um, and to keep them out of jail.
1: Correct. We, yeah. you know, th- th- There's a general social understanding that if someone is mentally ill, and this has been a concept in the law for hundreds of years, if, if someone is mentally ill, um, they may lack the capacity to commit a crime. So um, what that means is, in essence, we want to get folks that need special help um, the special help that they need. As a society, we believe in that, and that is the reason why we have drug court, mental health court, and other sorts of specialty courts.
0: So, Tokiko, I hope that helps you. I, I think uh, if, if there are advice here, you, um, uh, Donald, would you say she should go to the mental health court uh, hearing that's for the, scheduled for this Monday?
1: So, what what should have happened, if it has not already happened already, is um, that uh, I believe I believe this was her husband. Uh, her, son. Were her son. I'm sorry. Excuse me. So your son probably would have already had uh, counsel appointed to them um, or to him, rather, I should say. And so, you know, obviously, I can't step into the role of his lawyer. Right. Um, but if it were my client, I probably would want to take advantage of the diversion program. That's the reason why the diversion program exists. Okay.
0: Tikiiko, I'm sorry for everything you've gone through and your son. Uh, Thank you so much for that call, and uh, I hope that helps you. Uh, we, We have a couple more questions we want to get to here. Adam from Las Vegas has a question about traffic and speeding tickets. Adam, welcome to the program.
2: Hi, Joe. Thanks for having
4: me.
0: Great. Go ahead.
4: So um, my my questions about speeding tickets. Specific ticket I'm talking about was uh, in the city of Henderson. Um, I drive a company vehicle for work, but the ticket was personal. Uh, my boss, you know, told me, call one of these lawyers that specializes in, you know, fixing these speeding tickets and avoiding points on your license for insurance purposes. Is that still a thing? Do the municipalities have different rules about that? Uh, is it worth it? Uh, that's basically it.
2: Okay. Uh, Christopher, what do you know about this? Well, I'm more familiar with traffic tickets in uh, Las Vegas, not necessarily Henderson, uh, but there's always a way to be able to negotiate it down and try to discuss with uh, the person there in court so that you're able to see whether or not you can lower the fines and the points so that way you don't have increased insurance costs.
0: All right, uh, Adam, thank you so much for that question. We have another question here from... Uh, I, I'm probably saying this wrong. Uh, Ermius for, or Ermias from Las Vegas about HOAs. Welcome to the program.
5: Uh, you got it, Joe. You said uh, perfectly right, and I'm a great fan of your show. Okay. Uh, great show today too, and uh, I'm thankful for that. And thank you for having me. The question that I have is: uh, We have an, uh, a homeowner association that it's becoming out of control where uh, I live in uh, the north. Uh, i mean the southwest. Uh, they raised our homeowner association the last two years a couple of times, and then they're asking us to pay some 455 dollars right now for the the tree cleanup or something they did, mm-hmm. and they never do anything to the home uh, that will even they don't even pick up you know a, a leaf of uh, a, a thing. But can we get rid of the homeowner association? Uh, what is our option? Should we get a, 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 a counsel or an attorney? What is the option in Las Vegas uh, to not have the Omen or Association? Uh,
0: and and uh, that's a great question, Donald. We have about a minute left. It, what if they get a petition? Is there a way to get rid of an HOA?
1: It's really hard to do. Um, basically, the HOA is... Uh, the, the HOA is attached when the community is built. So um, the process is very difficult and uh, it would need to be something that you would need to do through the um, through the Nevada Real Estate Division. Um, and there are n- a number of steps that you need to take before you can uh, even file anything. Um, there would need to be a mandatory mediation through the Nevada Real Estate Division. Um, in, I, I can tell you that in my time, uh, I've never seen an HOA disbanded, ever. Okay.
0: Um, I, uh, thank you so much for that call. Good luck with that. And I want to thank everybody who called and wrote in. Really great questions. And the two stars here, Donald Pedardiso, attorney with Alada Law Firm, and Christopher Stork, an attorney with the Chang Law Group. Thank you both.
2: Thank you.